Evening, everybody. Good crew out here tonight. Good-looking bunch. How you doing, Curtis? How's the recording doing? Doing great. Uh, I hope you'll get the, the viewing you got on your other series. It's looking good. I got a special guest here, too. My sister's here from Savannah, Georgia, by way of Fort Worth. Had, had to see that new grandbaby, and now she's up here helping us. We need a lot of help. We're back to Philippians. Let's uh, see if we can't wrap up the fourth chapter of Philippians. We might even, we might even just eke into Colossians tonight. We'll see how this goes. I did want to make one, one strong point as we leave Philippians, and that is about, and I hate to say it because it sounds like cliche, but the power of positive thinking, which is really the power of thinking in terms of faith. That's what Paul talks about here in the last part of Philippians chapter 4. It says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. And a gentle spirit doesn't usually arise from hard thoughts. Uh, You've heard the phrase hard feelings. Hope there's no hard feelings. What are hard feelings? Hard, hard feelings rather than soft feelings. Uh, a gentle, what does he say? A gentle what? Gentle spirit. Let your gentility be known to all men. The Lord is near. And then he says, be anxious for nothing. Another phrase for anxious is uptight. Don't be uptight. Don't be hard. Be gentle. Do not be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication. What is supplication? We don't use that word much anymore. It's a good word. What is it? Okay, amiable, humble. Almost begging. It's, it's, it's before begging is kind of... Um, it's got a negative context, but but supplication is when you're making a legitimate appeal for mercy, grace, for, for blessing. But Having a positive attitude towards what's happening to you at that moment. Yes, and, and you're asking for something in those circumstances. That's that's a supplication. Yes. It is supplication. He was... He was praying, and his prayer at first in the garden was, let this cup pass. But he didn't end it with that. What did he follow up with? Not my will, but your will be done. That's really the model prayer. We talk about the model prayer being the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, but I think the model prayer is the one in the garden. When you see how Jesus prays to God and he's saying, this is what I want, Lord, but more than what I want to have happen, I want what you want to happen. And so when we're waiting, as Paul talks about here in the fourth chapter of Ephesians, when you're anxious, okay, I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to be anxious for anything. I'm going to talk to God about this. That's what you do when you're anxious. Just immediately let the switch be flipped. I'm going to talk to God about this. I'm afraid. I'm nervous. I'm anxious. Nobody wants to be anxious. Nobody wakes up and says, oh, this is a great day to be anxious about something. This is a great day to worry. 
Nobody says that. And we, and we worry still because it, I don't know about you, but I have this weird idea that if I'm not worrying about it, I'm being irresponsible. Now you're chuckling, why? Because you probably have that same feeling. I'm irresponsible. Why? And have, has anybody ever said, why aren't you worried about this? <laughs> anybody ever asked you that question? Well, probably not because you're worried about everything, and so they can't see that you're not worried about something you shouldn't be worried about. <sighs> about my mom. My dad's been dead since 76. My mom is still alive. She's 88, and they were married 23 years whenever he passed. But he always used to say about her, if she's not worried about something, she's not happy. Okay. Yeah. That's like when I was in the military, you, you heard all the time, if the troops aren't complaining about something, they're not happy, which is, really? You're complaining? Yeah, but if you've got something to complain about, it's like, I have a justified complaint, which makes me happy. No, but that's, that's the, the twisted psychology of, of this kind of, of thinking. Yes? But if you're angry, can you pray when you're angry at God? What's the answer to that one? Absolutely. Especially, I would say, especially when you're angry. And he knows. He, it's like, oh, I've never seen you angry before. No, he's seen you angry plenty of times, and he knows when you're angry, and he knows what you're angry about, and he knows if you have justification for your anger, which is all the more reason to talk to him about it. Lord, I'm angry. I don't know if I'm even right to be angry, but I'm angry right now, and I need your help with these feelings I've got and these emotions. So... Here's the deal about, about anger, about anxiety, about everything. When you take it to the Lord, and I was today, today I was talking to a young lady about this very thing, and she was talking about her anxiety. And she was telling me the story, how she, she didn't know how she was going to get through things and over things, and she, I just decided I was going to pray to God. She said, I prayed to God. And when I was done, I wasn't worried anymore. She said, I still have my problems. But I wasn't worried about it. And she said, I couldn't go to sleep, but I stayed awake without worrying. <laughs> and that's, that's, what, that's what this does. And what Paul says about this, verse 7, the peace of God, which does what? Surpasses all understanding, surpasses all comprehension. Now, as a preacher, what do you think I want to do immediately with that passage? I want to explain it to you, <laughs> but he's just said, the Holy Spirit said, write it down, Paul. You can't explain this. I can't explain it. Nobody can explain it. Peace that, that's beyond comprehension, that's beyond understanding, that human words can't surround and explain. There's no way, but it's going to be there. That's the power of faith. Normally, when I catch myself... I don't catch myself thinking positive thoughts. I catch myself thinking negative thoughts. Imagining things that haven't happened, but imagining things that I'm supposing could happen, and because I'm supposing these negative things that could happen, I might get to the point where I'm even angry about it. I'm angry about something that hasn't even happened. I'm just imagining that it could happen. and It's like, why am I doing that? Why am I doing it? How come I'm this old and I haven't learned not to do that yet? I think it has something to do with living in this world where so many influences are negative, where so much of the news is ugly, and so much of what we hear and see is bad. 
and, and then I go home and turn on a murder mystery. I watch a police story about some drug deal going down. It's, it's just all around us, and we tend to think negatively. But Paul is writing this to a church that's got troubles, and he says, don't be anxious for anything, but, but talk to God about it. Take it to him, and peace that passes understanding will come your way through God. And it'll guard your minds and your hearts in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, this is what he says. Whatever is true. And tell me there's not a lot of lying going on today. I don't even... I'm hearing the phrase banana republic thrown around a lot. Because of what's happening in, in the political world. And I don't, it's like, I don't, I'm tired of all that. Just let's talk about the gospel. You guys do your politics. Let's just talk about the gospel. Let's talk about what's true. Let's talk about what's honorable. Let's talk about what's right. Let's talk about what's pure. And not just talk about it, but think about it. That's what he's saying. Think on the things that are lovely. Think on the things that are of good repute. If there's any excellence if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. I, I love it when we're, we're traveling west through Arkansas on I-40 and we hit the, the border of Oklahoma and there's that sign. Who knows what that sign says coming into Oklahoma from Arkansas on I-40? Oklahoma, what else does it say? Y'all need to read that sign. Y'all go to Fort Smith and come back. Turn around and come back. Get some ice cream. Turn around and come back. Look at that sign. It says, discover the excellence. Coming into Oklahoma, it says, discover the excellence. This from a state that says, Oklahoma, we're okay. We're not really good. We're not superior. <laughs> That's not what that means. It's, it's just a play on our name. But people have made the joke about that. But it says, discover the excellence. Is there anything excellent in Oklahoma? I'm telling you, there's excellence here. One of the reasons I love Oklahoma is because it's, it's filled with the type of people that I grew up with who were just plain old folks. Nobody's surprised when I talk to them in Walmart when I have no idea who they are and they have no idea who I am. How many times have you struck up a conversation you're just standing in the aisle looking at something going, man, the price is raised on that. Yeah, I know, I tried. I just want to get one last year. And we're just talking like we've known each other for years. That's the way it is here. Shouldn't it be that way every year or every place? And you have that kind of a conversation. And you really do. And you start thinking like what Paul's talking about. When, when you go someplace and you, you start to talk to somebody and they look at you like, who are you? And they start walking away. It's like, well, you're not going to have the kind of thoughts he's talking about here. You're going to tend to have the kind of thoughts that are opposite of this. That's when you might get anxious. <laughs> and that's when you need to supplicate God and find the peace that passes understanding. 1427, Jesus says, Peace I, I leave you, peace I give you, or something like that in that passage. And he, he's talking about that. And, of course, he, he, when he leaves, God will send the comforter. You know, and then I'm wondering if the peace here that he's talking about is the Holy Spirit. I wonder if that's referencing the Holy Spirit. He, he's the comforter. He's part of that peace. And the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to write this. Another thing that Jesus said close to that, I think it's John 16, 33. So in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But then he says, be of good, 
Be of good cheer. That's from the mouth of Jesus, from the lips of our Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. He says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Wow. Now, when he talks about the peace that I, it is, he says, uh, let me read that real quick. Give me a second here. Uh, Peace I leave with you, not the world's peace. Is yeah, that, peace okay. I leave with you, my peace I give you. So is that the same as the Holy Spirit after he leaves, he's going to send us a comforter? Or is that a different connotation? Who, who's the only force in the world that makes any difference at all? It's God. And if you are right with God, you're right. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter what's happening in America. It doesn't matter what's happening in China. It doesn't matter what the economy is. It doesn't matter what you made on your last test. It doesn't matter if you get a pink slip at work. Nothing matters if you are right with God. you you got other things to work on, of course. you got issues to deal with. But in the final analysis, if you're right with God, you're right. Who was more right with God than Jesus? And he came to give us that rightness. That's what he did on the cross. Yes. He, he paid for our sin. And when you read, Paul uh, outlines this in Romans so, so beautifully. He reckons our faith to be righteousness. There's no other way to be righteous except through faith in God. Because you, you can't work it out. Remember John's lesson last Sunday night? Wasn't that great? Grace. You, you can't. What are those four words again? All right, you got it. You're listening. You could paraphrase this, and I'm, I, I so apologize for taking so much time. But you could paraphrase this, peace I leave with you, peace I give you, in, in, in the context of the life that I have lived and the example that I've set and, and the words that I have given you from my Father, I give you. And that just exactly like, that's peace in itself right there. Right. And he, he comes to... To tear down the middle wall of Paul uh, of partition that but Paul, as Paul put it in, in Ephesians, and, and he not only made peace between us and the Father, he made peace between Jews and Gentiles. He made peace between all men who who come to him. Yeah, yes, Paul. I knew I had another hand up here, brother. I think both verses are a bit of a commentary on the solution that God has provided for our dilemma. What's our dilemma? Our existence is where the intersection between spirituals and physical. Our soul lives inside of a human envelope. And so we're told the peace that surpasses your understanding. Well, your understanding is a human currency for how you see everything and how you're interpreting things. Well, the peace that you're given is peace for your soul. It's, it's the spiritual component that you can't obtain physically with all the knowledge, all the wealth, the comfort, whatever. There's still going to be a void. There's still going to be something that you cannot find in this physical world, and he's saying, I'm giving it to you, I'm providing it to you, whether it's knowledge of me or the Holy Spirit, I'm addressing what you need spiritually while you're here on this earth. And it's going to surpass whatever you can try to find here. That's, that's the problem with people trying to find solutions for spiritual problems with through physical means, and you can't. It's an act of utility. It's like I don't know if this is a good analogy because you, you, you can't do it. 
You ever had a house plant that started going south? And what do you do to bring it back? <laughs> no, no, that's to, that's to replace it. <laughs> but that's where you have to go because it's, you're not bringing it back. Jesus brought us back. He's the one who's brought us back. He's the one. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He even said that. That's, that's in John 16 before he went to the cross. And and. They're hearing this, and he's telling them, when you see what happens that with the, the, the fulfillment of what I'm telling you, then you're going to know that all these things are true. And we have seen this. We have seen the resurrection, not with our eyes, but reading the testimony of those who were there. We have seen the testimony of the resurrection. And where is the body of Jesus? His enemies would have produced it long ago, but they haven't. They couldn't because he ascended to the Father after he resurrected. Uh, Charles, and then was there another hand over here? Okay, Bob after uh, Charles and then Bob. Oh, I, I was just going to say, when I hear the word overcome, it means overcome the world, I think that means there must have been a fight. <coughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. There was a fight. You read about it in Genesis 3.15. What's it say in Genesis 3.15? Lord said to the, to the woman, there's going to be enmity between your seed and, and Satan. And said to Satan, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise you on the head. There, there was a fight. There was a struggle. Well, on the peace aspect, years ago, Alan Bruce said, but it just has always stuck with me. If you're a child of the king, don't worry about what's going on down here because you don't belong here anymore. That's right. And he, that's what he said earlier. Verse 20 of chapter 3. Our citizenship is where? It, it's in heaven. Now, things may go south here for us. We might struggle to pay our rent. We might wonder where our next meal is coming from. It might look like our job is really in question and my car is not working the way it should and I don't have the money to get it fixed. I, I got a pain in my side and... I don't know what that is, and I'm afraid to see the doctor because of what the doctor might say. Um, I got a call from, I got a text from one of my children. I don't understand, but it doesn't sound good, and I'm about half afraid to call them back and see what's going on with them. There's just so many things in this world that go wrong. Sometimes it's hard to think positively. It's hard to do. But the promise is always there. I have overcome the world. And I think, oh, yeah, Lord, I, I might lose this or I might lose that. And he says, do you remember how much stuff I had with me when I was here? <laughs> how much stuff did Jesus have? People were saying, I'm going to follow you. And he said, well, you know, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests. I don't have a place to lay my head. And yet he's king of kings and lord of lords. And has prepared for you and me an inheritance beyond our wildest imaginations. That's the one we worship. That's the one Paul's writing about here. That's why he can say, he couldn't say it if not for Jesus, but because of Jesus he can say it. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, all the, think about these things. When you're anxious, pray in the peace of God that passes all understanding. Well, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. All these things are true because of Jesus Christ. And without him there's no point in anything. That's what I, I like to say to the atheists. Bless their hearts. They, they mock Christianity. And it's like, what have you got? 
And if there is no God, nothing matters. You don't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter. You're just an accident floating around in the universe like me. If you don't matter, I could come over there and kill you because you don't matter. That's the way it is if there is no God. But let me tell you something. I'm going to seek your highest good all the days of my life because of Jesus Christ. If you know what's good for you, you better encourage me to believe in Jesus, even if you think it's stupid. <laughs> and a lot of them don't really think it's stupid. They just, they just hate God. Bad things have happened to people, and because it has, they've let that turn them against God, and they blame God. And so they say, I'm going to, I'm going to be an atheist because that's the worst thing I can do to God, is just say, I don't believe any, but they really do. That's why they're preoccupied with being atheists. It, Sometimes talk to people, and you have no idea how they're going to take it in. I've got a, a niece that lives in uh, New York, and my brother passed away her dad, and she was wounded. And she needed somebody to talk to, and we talked. And finally, at the end of the conversation, she said, well, boy, and I mentioned about you know taking him to church and how that would be a good thing and all that, you know, and, and thought that maybe I had given some fatherly advice, even though I was just the uncle. And then after that, I found out later that I can't believe he said that to me. You, you never know what heart and how rich the ground and the seed that you're sowing is going to produce. But that not worrying, that peace that surpasses understanding, I... I ran across a, a gentleman this weekend, very impressive. He's been a Church of Christ preacher for 65 years. His name is Frank Briscoe. He came out of retirement. He's preaching at the Stephenville Church of Christ. And we were talking about uh, the uh, where you went to a school, Beverly. And we're talking about Sunset. Where we're talking about Austin. And, and, and the conversation, yeah, we're supporting someone at Bear Valley. And we've got someone in Austin. And I asked him, I said, what is the best school? And, and, and he talked about preachers getting out of school and not being ready and being with mentor preachers and kind of stuff like that. But what come out of it more than anything, I guess, was this, uh, we need people, we don't need scholars, we need uh, people that are going to preach the gospel, lead people to Christ. And just just the insight and, and the explanation of the scriptures he had in the command, but yet that was so simple how he rightly divided and he, he just made everything so simple and everything so uh, easy to understand and, and, and it just I just I sat back and thought we've got a church full of scholars here I so enjoyed class just hearing comments like a while ago but yet here's this gentleman that just Wow. And it's kind of like that with God. We just don't know what we're dealing with. We don't know the power. We don't know the love. We don't know the simplicity, how we do not deserve it. Yet he gives us that grace. And we finally realize it, and then we get this peace. This peace. Yes. Amen. Have I missed a hand? Does somebody else have a comment they need to make? All right. Yes. When you, when you read the last, I, I don't know if you're there yet, but verse uh, 9, you know, practice these things, right? That's, that's such a nice, imagine if we did, you know, we uh, lifted up our brothers and sisters up tenfold of what we do today. Right? Imagine yes. if, if we, we honored them in what they do as pure and noble and trustworthy. 
came in with a mindset, a proactive mindset in the church, tenfold, a hundredfold of what we do today. How rewarding that would be for the people that hear it. I mean, there's a lot of people in this church that do a lot of good things. Um, and I know they get a lot of praise, and, and not praise because people do it out of their uh, humility and, and their service to the Lord, but imagine with having that type of attitude uh, rather than one of let's let's tear things, let's overanalyze things to death and break them down to a point where we may get frustrated with things going on. Right. Because it, it's easy to see there's so much negative. It's easy to see it and criticize. Oh, we can fix this. We can fix that. You remember that memorial service that we had a year or two back? My, my job was to come up with something to say about each of those people that would fit in the brief time slot that I had. And it was such a blessing to me to stop and think about each one of those individuals and the impact that they'd had on my life and, and my relationship with them. And it occurs to me, why don't we do that with people who are alive, like Kendall's talking about, and go, and go tell them? What's that? It, it's pride. It's also, it takes time. And it takes work. To build something is difficult. You've got to think through. You've got to plan. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I set out to build something and the plan is in my mind. But some of the paper's missing. And, and so I, I, I proceed and then I get to a point where, uh, oh, this won't work. I'm going to have to rethink this and take this back apart and redo. Okay, but but eventually, everything I've ever tried to build got built because I I wanted the outcome, and we could do that with one another if if we're thinking in terms of of building. But it does take more energy. It takes more. You can tear down so easy. I think that's why as children we we like you know somebody builds a castle of blocks. And they might take hours to do it. And then you, all you have to do is run over there and kick it. And the whole thing goes flying. Ha, 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 look what I did. Well, what would you do? You destroyed something. Yes. Let me tell you something. I'm just thinking about what he said. Bud preached for 47 years. In 47 years in the Lord's church, I could count on my hands the amount of people that I thought loved me. Hmm. I'm sorry about that. And that's sad. Yeah, it is. Shouldn't happen like that. But sometimes it does, even in the church. You, you read these letters, just like the, us men last night and, and last month, we were looking in James. If you read James, he lays it on the church. I, I use the word lambasting. I need to look that up sometime and see where lambasting comes. That had to be something to do with smacking people back in the day or something. Because that's the, but that's what James does in that letter. He lambasts the church. He tells them, you're doing this wrong. You need to straighten this out. You're doing that wrong. You need to straighten this out. You're, you, people are coming into your assembly, and you're looking at the rich ones and treating them nice and treating the poor ones bad, and you're, you're not paying your laborers the things, the money that they're due. And not many of you should be teachers because you can't control your tongues. You're adulterers and adulteresses, and, and you don't have because you don't ask, and you lie and cheat and you steal. I mean, he's really... If I was a member of the church that got that letter, I don't think I'd have gone to the restaurant that day. I'd have gone home and just buried my head in my pillow and cried because, man, that was hard. I didn't say 
to be negative. I really didn't. No, that's not what I mean. What I'm pointing out is it's hard for me now to accept someone's love. Okay. It's hard for me now to do, to accept, well, someone brought food to the house. It's, it's very hard for me to, to accept that. It's not that I don't want to, and it's not that it doesn't make me feel good, but it's had an effect on my life. Right. And James, you read James in... Bring something to my house now. <laughs> we'll be welcome. <laughs> James shows us... <laughs> James shows us that even in the church, things can be messed up. What was an issue here in Philippians? They had people who were giving them grief. Paul was writing about those who were preaching the gospel uh, to give to do him harm. How in the world do you preach the gospel to do somebody harm? But he said that's what was happening. Euodia and Syntyche, why did he mention those in this letter? I'm urging you two girls to get along. I mean, the, the church has folks in it just like you and me, and that's why there's so many problems in the church. And what have we said so many times? I love the church. It's the people I just can't stand. They're just irritating. It's the, But we are. That's That's because... We are sinners who have the good sense to see we need a Savior. And so we've all gathered on this ark that is the church. And we've talked, we've mentioned the key words several times, but we've never landed on it. Time. Time. Okay. That's what we have to do, is we have to spend time with each other. Okay. We have to devote time. Sin is worth <laughs> but but it, it, you know you, the, the the things that you worked on, and you devoted that time to to try to build it, take it apart, rebuild it, take it apart, rebuild it, finish it. It took time to do that. The relationships that we need to have as brothers and sisters in Christ, the relationship that we had with our brothers and sisters came because we spent a lot more time than we wanted to most of the time with them. You know. But that's what we need to do with our brothers and sisters here, is spend time with them. And once we spend time with them, we will appreciate them, we will show them that we love them, and we will get to know them so much better and be able to lift them up in many ways. It's absolutely true. Everybody write that down. That, that's, that's true. Mike? I the Preston that Denise was offended. She, you... You yes. tried to encourage her to go to church or something, and she was offended? Oh, yes. Okay. I would, okay. Just, I would just say that we're just the sowers, you know, the seed falls. And sometimes, not all the time, but I take it kind of as a, a challenge and maybe a little bit amusing to see how people will receive what I say to them and go about, go about my way either way. Whether they receive it positive or negative, I'm just a soul. Right. Can I, can I make one more comment, please? I know I've taken more. Can we take a vote on it? Speak, Preston. Whenever, whenever this piece, you know, I've, I've had a brother that passed away. He was alcoholic. He could not forget things. Extreme intelligence. Extreme. His daughter, my niece, has got the same type of intelligence just can't forget and it's so important for us as people wherever we're at on the on the intelligence scale it really doesn't matter to learn this 
forgiveness. We've got to be able to forgive. And it gives us this peace to let go. And some for some it's harder than others. Everything in your life that's ever happened is your baggage has wounded you, and you still have to carry on. And how do we address that as Christians? We learn what Jesus gave us, the author and the finisher of our faith, to, to, to set our will aside and let God's will, not my will but thine. That is so hard to integrate into my life, to let things go, to, to do that. And I don't know the answer to it, but I've seen and I've met people I know that are a lot smarter than me. I was, she's smarter than I am. And just to wonder, how am I going to do this? I just got to let God have it. You know, I just got to let it go. Right. And intellectually and spiritually and emotionally, you, you just have to come to grips with it. I, I don't know that there's anything more that can be said about that. Two things that strike me about this. Of the seven things Jesus said while he was on the cross, one of them was, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And I'm thinking, how in the world could you say that, having gone through what he went through and in the the kind of pain he had to be in, and he's still asking God to forgive those guys that did that to him. And the second thing is, no one has ever done anything to me like they have done to the Lord. And if he can ask forgiveness, who am I to not? And the third thing, because I wasn't a math major, I know I said two. (laughs) But the third thing is, I figured it out. You don't forgive somebody for them. You forgive somebody for yourself. You can't move on unless you forgive. That's such a a great lesson. It's such a great truth. Jesus said, except you forgive those who forgive, who trespass against you, neither will I forgive your trespasses against me. So forgiving them, and here's here's another thing about it, forgiving them doesn't let them off the hook. Just because I forgive someone doesn't mean God's now obligated to forgive them. No, he's the judge, and he knows what's right, and he's going to do what's right. I can say like his son said, Lord, forgive them. I don't know if they know what they're doing or not, but I'm asking you to forgive them. And he says, all right, I appreciate that, son. You're, you're being like my son who's taught you how to do that, but I'm the judge, and I'm telling you whether I'll forgive them or not. God was not obligated by his son's request to forgive those guys that crucified his son. He wasn't obligated by that. But Jesus showed us what kind of spirit we're supposed to have. And nobody's ever done anything to me like they did to him. Think that. And okay. here's why. Because all power has given to me on he- in heaven and on earth. So if, and I know this is kind of a paradox, if uh, God's given his son that kind of power, and he asked his father to forgive him, and then we, we in our, our perception, think, but it's up to God whether he forgives them or not. That's exactly right. But where does that add up? You see what I'm saying? Right. And I I don't want to get technical, but when did Jesus say all power and authority had been given to him? He said it on the other side of the resurrection. He was raised from the dead. And and that when you read in Ephesians, 
It was after the resurrection that Jesus was seated at the right hand of power on high. Ephesians, Hebrews as well. So, so that's when Jesus would say that. When you read Daniel, Daniel chapter 7, you see this, uh, this dream that Daniel had. Well, go to Daniel chapter 7. And, and I know it's like, this isn't Philippians, Marty. However, if you can read the things that are here... And it doesn't impact you to, to sense the peace that we ought to have. This is Daniel writing 600 years before it happened. And he says in chapter 7, verse 13, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. What does Luke say to describe the ascension of Jesus in Acts chapter 1? He ascended in the clouds. And Daniel is seeing this 600 years before it happens, and he's writing it down in his prophecy that the Son of Man came before the Ancient of Days in Heaven, and that's when he was given the power and authority and dominion. It, it was all coming about. It was coming to fruition. It was in the process. I think that that's why Jesus could say it even prior to the ascension, that all authority is given to me. He knew this, this is coming. I'm going to be Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Paul? Before he leaves, he gives Peter an example of forgiveness and the dynamics of it with the unmerciful servant. It's, it's the faith in my forgiveness that gives me the, I don't want to say the power, but that's what it is. The strength, maybe I should say. Motivation. Freedom. All of that. To forgive somebody who sinned against me. It's confidence in this one who came up before the Ancient of Days and he was given power and dominion and glory that won't end. And Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 48, I'm not going to judge you. The word that I have spoken will judge you in the last day. And I thought, wow. Okay. So there we are. Jesus is the judge, but he won't judge based on anything other than except what he has said. And I know that those who need to be saved will be saved and, and those who have essentially chosen to be lost will be lost. I would like to change some of those things. I would like to change people's minds. It's like Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But some minds you can't change. You can only plant the seed. You, you plant the seed where you can, and you see what effect it can have. And you know as well as I do that you probably didn't believe in the gospel the first time you heard it. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but that's the way we are. It takes some convincing sometimes. It takes some, some witnessing. Chapman. Well, it's all one 
you ever, you're driving down the road and you realize something's not right and you realize, oh, it's in, I got it in low gear. Oh, and then you put it up in high gear. Whoa, yeah, now we're going down the road. That's, that's kind of what that's like. You, you're focusing on the, on the past. You're dragging yourself down. And Jesus has set us free from all that. Think on these things. This is what you ought to be thinking about. These things are good and, and honorable and pure and holy. Think on that. When you go to bed at night, that's what you need to be thinking about, and you'll sleep a whole lot better. Bob? Uh, you know, growing up, I was always told to forgive and forget. You know, and, and you know, I, I always thought, I, I, I'll never forget this. I can't forget this. I finally, you know, someone taught me that forgiveness isn't forgetting. You'll never forget some of this stuff. You might over the years. But forgiving is treating that person like they never Amen. There is such a thing as in the scripture where God says, I will remember their sins against them no more. It's not, I will not remember that God, oh, I can't remember. No, he'll remember the sins, but it's not remembering against them. And that's what we do. We, we do that as God does it, Paul. I didn't want to let Preston have the top spots. I wanted to talk a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think people that forgive the least fall probably into two categories. And this is just my two cents or whatever that's worth. It's either people that they don't ever do anything wrong in their own minds. They, they're, you know, they're, no, they're perfect. Or they can't even forgive themselves, mm-hmm. let alone forgive somebody else. And either one of those people, that's not one of the criteria for repentance. is sometimes a benefit of remembering your own sin you remember how f- failed and frail and foolish and silly and and small and petty about yourself and that was yesterday yeah yeah well it's catching up fast yeah. helps helps us to forgive others anybody got anything else i think we've it's time to quit lord love you bless you we'll come back lord willing next week for more of the same